As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Swing and a wide drive, base hit right field. Max Scherzer has done it again. Do you believe it, Howie Kendrick? Part two. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. We're just a few days away from the start of actual real baseball for the Nationals. Todd Dibas, Chase Hughes, Nick Ashew, the Nationals Talk Podcast, where we are finally inching to what our goals and dreams have been is to talk about actual real baseball. And we, we've seen a lot of workouts. We've seen is some exhibition-type things going on. It, it's just been nice at this point to know that we're, we're closing in on this. And you especially, Todd, you've, you've seen a lot of this stuff, even from these – I guess we'd call it exhibition broadcast. It's not spring training. I'm still, I'm still kind of struggling in terms of what we're calling all of this right now. But, I mean, you've certainly seen a lot of this. Yeah, and it's feeling more and more normal, or at least what will pass for normal this year. And, you know, at first it, it was odd to be in the park with the empty. Uh, I do think, we've mentioned this before, the crowd noise has made a big difference. I think it's really beneficial. The players have said it's really beneficial. I know, I know it's taken its uh, shots in other places, but it seems to be helping a lot at Nationals Park. Seeing another team in there, you know, obviously was the next step, and we did that on Saturday when the Phillies were here. Um, Bryce Harper's hair, by the way, <laughs> holy cow. He's morphed yeah. into Jason Worth. <laughs> yeah, and it is, it is just like a full main situation going on there. Um, so that was interesting to see. And also, he ran hard to first base on an obvious out in an exhibition game. Look at that. With like no fans. Pulling everybody after, <laughs> after what happened in 2018. So anyway, um, you know, it, it feels a bit more normal, certainly after seeing another team. There was an instance Saturday where they did four outs in one inning and two outs in another inning. And that was because they wanted to manage the pitchers in a certain way, you know, and get them to a certain pitch count. Yeah, so and then obviously Nationals on the road for the first time on Monday that produces a whole new set of circumstances trying to get from point A to point B and be safe and uh, kind of get used to that. But everything in National Park seems to be kind of clicking along at a pretty good pace at this point. Hey guys, uh, before I make my points, I wanted to uh, try something here. Can you hear that? Some fake crowd noise. Oh, jeez. It's my uh, it's my baby's white noise machine. But uh, it's, it's, I was gonna say it sounded like you were just blowing into a microphone. <laughs> I thought about that, but then I was like, you know what? I actually have this tool for this. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, but as Todd said, I'm actually team uh, pro crowd noise now. I watched uh, the, what I could of the exhibition game over the weekend. And I think it adds to the broadcast. I think it prevents it from being an awkward show. And I think particularly on a play like um, the home run that Jake Knoll hit, uh, the crowd noise, I think, kind of added to the, the replay. And, you know, they piped in some music from the stadium and it it kind of felt like it would be a big play in an actual major league game. So I thought that was cool. And I think you're, you know, you're still going to be able to tell the differences in other ways, right? Uh, we saw the air high fives, you know, after plays. We heard from Todd Divis and others that you could hear Max Scherzer audibly yelling at the umpire over a strike call uh, in the stadium. So I think the crowd noise doesn't take away from the fact that this is going to be different. We're still going to be able to tell the differences. But watching that game without fans, it did make me realize uh, one thing that I'm not going to miss about games with fans. Uh, and that is Marlins, man. Cause I was thinking <laughs> Thursday night, opening day, Nats Yankees, if they sold tickets to that, it would be packed to the gills. And we all know who would be sitting in the first row behind home plate wearing orange. You know, it's funny. I actually met him during all-star weekend. Pretty nice guy. A little full he of seems himself. seems like a nice guy. Still yeah. a pretty nice guy, but certainly thinks that he's a celebrity at this point. There's no question, but yeah, it's Nick, funny. I'm, like, I'm, I'm a Marlins pro- man story. What's that? I'm, I'm a Marlins man story about how he sees himself as a celebrity. Okay, I'm going to pause what I was about to say because this is more important. Please tell me the story. <laughs> it's way more important so, than anything I have to say right now. In, in the, winter, the winter meetings in Las Vegas in 2018 was when Scott Boris did his huge thing in front of a 25-foot tall Christmas tree in the middle of a casino. And he was actually – Boris was standing on a Pelican box – that belonged to NBC Sports Washington um, to stand up out over the reporters. And there were probably, you know, 75 to 100 people like horseshoed around Scott Boris. About 10 feet away at a table was a guy in an orange jersey who was available to sign autographs. And <laughs> nobody was over there. And people were like walking by, like looking at like, who's this weird dude? I know this is Vegas, but you know, I don't recognize this guy. Is he some like B-list celebrity? Is he like Carrot Top's forgotten uncle? Like who, who is this guy? And uh, so, yeah, he was over there, had set up his own space um, and was readily ignored. It just, it, listen, it was annoying at first. And you see, he's actually done a lot for charities. So I give him the benefit of the doubt with that, but it's just like, we create this celebrity with people that aren't actually celebrities and, Social media is a big reason for that, but I just never understood that. So that story doesn't surprise me one bit. I'm with you, Chase. I don't. What's he going to do now? By the way, what is he? Gonna I do? don't. That's what I mean. Like, what now? What are we going to do? Or is he going to? You know what he's going to probably do is buy cardboard cutouts at like every stadium to make sure he's sitting behind home plate. That's I would what put he should $100 do. That's a hundred dollars down on idea. it now that he will do that at multiple places because why not? He can afford it apparently, so he could. Yeah. But I'll say this: I'm with you, Chase, as well on the 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 pro crowd. I, it's. I know that it like it's not like anybody's getting fooled, right? Like we know there's no fans. We know that the stadiums are empty, but there's something to be said when you hear this. And I was really trying to get a grasp for it early with like the early Premier League games, watching soccer, and then kind of trying to just see what it sounded like. And it seems like it's evolved a little too. Like watching some of these soccer games early, and it's they're not changing the crowd after somebody scores a goal. It's just that humming sound that you just did a second ago. It's like white noise. <laughs> You're seeing them get better at it where you have different crowd noises, which you should, for different things that happen in the game. And, like, how often when you're watching a game do you – we don't pay attention to the crowd that much when you're watching it on TV, right? You're watching what's going on in the game. Unless there's actually shots panning around showing you fans, you're focusing on the actual game. So when you hear that noise, 
it's going to sound natural, and I think it's going to distract us from the fact that there aren't fans there. And just from a viewer's standpoint, it's going to make it feel a little more natural. But I give them for players. I'm sure there's something to be said for them at least hearing it. And even though they don't see them, because you know how guys at least say they block out crowd noise, whether that's always true or not isn't necessarily the case. But I, I, I think it will it will add a little something to it and make it feel a little more normal. And quite honestly, right now, I think in sports, especially like as sports fans, we'd probably like to get as close to normal as we can. So there are 75 different effects slash reactions that can be used during the game. And a lot of the audio came out of MLB The Show 20. Um, and so and they're also kind of still further refining real-time playback over ballpark audio systems. And the crowd noise will work in conjunction with stadium announcers, walk-up music, in-stadium video to replicate the in-game experience as closely as possible. And there's actually somebody hitting a different button depending on the circumstance and, like, picking the sound. Yeah, there must be because it escalates after, like, home runs and stuff. Just It seems like a tad late, right? Yeah, so there is still a work in progress. Another example of that is Wilmer Defoe hit a pop foul that went behind home plate, and as soon as he hit it, everyone knew what it was. But, like, the crowd erupted. (laughs) (laughs) You're like – Wait a minute. That, well, we all, that we was all not know. in sync with the action. Yeah. Well, we all know how the crowd will erupt for, you know, a 200-foot pop fly to right. the field. So that, so the, yeah, that's one of two things I thought of. One is that joke of, like, the uninformed fan base reaction to an obvious fly ball out. Is that part of the soundboard? Two, well, now three things. Two, is anyone going to be randy enough to stick booze in their soundboard, or are they not allowed to do that? <laughs> There's no way. Well, maybe you'll boo the other team, but you'll definitely never boo, like, you know, right. somebody that makes it. Yeah, so w- when Carter Keeboom has his third error of the game chase, they won't be booing him, so don't worry about that. <laughs> but, like, so do they have a garbage can noise? Can you do that? Can you buy one on the Internet? And that would be amazing. That, that, see, that needs to happen. That's the most hey. important sound effect. Todd, you're going to be in the press box. You could bring your own soundboard. <laughs> yeah, well, and that gets me to number three, Chase. Thank you very much. Good segue. God bless the Gus Johnson soundboard, which no longer exists on the Internet. And if you never got a chance to use it, uh, you missed out because you just click on a bunch of different calls from uh, Gus, and it was amazing. An amazing, amazing random Internet tool of days gone by. You R.I.P. Can't find, you can't That's find it anymore? Is it gone? Really? The link to it is just, like, dead now. Oh, that's unfortunate. Someone revive it. Yeah, so I did see something somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but it it showed, I think, how this process is going to kind of go with the sound effects. And, yeah, it's somebody basically sitting down, and they've got, like, a touchscreen. And if anybody's seen kind of like the way – like, radio uses that a lot, too, where it's a touchscreen for different drops or sound effects or – depending you know, read whatever like oh it's the same kind of concept so you've got to have somebody that knows what's going on and is able to react quickly and hope that the sound comes through really quick too or it's going to look really delayed but i think i think it'll get better it, it'll take a little bit of time but i think it'll get better soundboards by the way so- soundboards were great for prank calls when i was they first just about out. to say that yes chase i mean i've never done that but just saying i've, I've heard that so that's the case <laughs> well, do you remember in ferris bueller when he was called about being sick from the payphone? And he was playing all the sounds on his keyboard. These are like grotesque sounds and then yep. like five keys yeah. at once. Oh my God, you're dying? Uh-oh. <laughs> is it serious? Uh, I don't know. I hope not. I think I may need a kidney transplant. And the kid's like, wow, sounds like he's in really bad shape. Um, that's kind of <laughs> how I picture this whole thing happening. 
it's uh, the good thing is though we at least are going to be in a position now where we're going to get to see stuff that happens on the field and and you know, however the crowd sounds i really i really do believe this and i think it's with all sports that even though it'll feel different i think just as fans like we're going to look at this and be excited to talk about you know the actual stuff that's going on in this case on the field one two three four those are numbers but you already knew that if you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. There's still certainly a lot of questions about the Nationals, too. I mean, their lineup is, is, is going to look different. When you guys look at this lineup and how it should be structured, I mean, with no Zimmerman just as an example, you're losing a you know, potential DH that you're going to have for Universal DH this year. Where do you see this lineup kind of going as the regular lineup? Or just I, I guess it's really just kind of the, the general structure that's going to be because we know that we've got an infield it has guys that can play multiple positions, so that's certainly a benefit in this sense, but it also means you've got to make some decisions. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear um, what David Martinez wants to do, whether that's the precise thing to do is, is always the question, and that's why we have fun with lineups on the Twitter. Even the first night against <laughs> Philly, people were complaining to me on Twitter, and I'm like, sigh. Um, but, yeah, it's Trey Turner, Adam Eaton, Starlin Castro, Juan Soto, Howie Kendrick as often as possible, fifth. And then it will be Thames or maybe Jake Knoll at first base sometimes as Drupal Cabrera slash Carter Keyboom. Uh, and then whoever the catcher is, and then probably Victor Robles. And um, when you look at it, you see a lot of depth and you see some pretty good versatility. Uh, you see, you know, a trio of lefties plus as Drupal is a switch hitter. Uh, so that gives gave you Martinez some some options obviously to load up against right-handers um, and they're in a pretty good spot coming back the other way too especially since Soto splits are so even so to me mainly the question is should Soto be hitting third and should you possibly move up Victor although his on-base percentage from last year would suggest he's in a good place hitting ninth and um, and when you look at that lineup I think the lowest home run total from last year was 15, and maybe that was Adam Eaton. Everybody was at least 15 home runs or more, um, and a lot of guys were at 17 or higher. So that's pretty good lineup depth and, and balance. By the way, with no Ryan Zimmerman, uh, Jake Knoll at first is like the equivalent of a cardboard cutout in the audience representing a fan because he looks so much like him. <laughs> um, but as far as the lineup, you know, I'm not, I'm not usually like a quibble with the lineup type of guy. We know some people in the media are. Um, but, you know, look at the lineup on Saturday night and this talk about Starlin Castro hitting third. I think I would bump him back and go Turner, Eaton, Soto, Kendrick is the top four. And then, you know, as you get to the later parts of the lineup, you're going to have a problem balancing righties and lefties. There's, it's just, there's just a lot more right-handed hitters. And I, I think Robles is going to move himself up in the lineup. So what I had written down was Turner, Eaton, Soto, Kendrick, Robles at fifth, uh, Thames, Castro, Gomes, and, and Keyboom, who will be uh, the best uh, ninth hitter in baseball. But um, <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking. Uh, basically, I'm, I'm on the side of moving Soto up to third. Yeah, I mean, you're even putting Keyboom at the end. It's certainly a little less pressure on him. I just – that to me is, the, is the, the biggest question mark and really one of the – the things that we're going to probably be spotlighting on this podcast throughout this entire season is with only a 60 game schedule. I mean, it's an opportunity for a, a smaller sample size and I'd almost say less pressure for Carter Keeboom just because there's so many weird 
scenarios and, and the way this season is is just so so awkward. But uh, they, they have to just kind of go. Even if he struggles in the field, they've got to just continue to give him the opportunity to be out there. And, and I know, Todd, you brought this up too. Like, Carter Keeboom is a guy that clearly has high expectations for himself. We know that. If he makes a mistake at third and then he gets up to bat after that and that starts to distract him, like, he's got to be able to work through that. And the only way that you can really work through those types of issues, breaking sort of that mental wall or getting away from those distractions is just being out there every single day. And, and even if he's struggling, they, they need to keep him out there as much as they can so he can kind of break through this. But then you do worry, like, if it becomes a consistent problem where it's, you know, multiple errors in a game, at what point do they draw the line if he struggles? Now, I know Chase thinks he's going to be an all-star and future Hall of Famer, but <laughs> for the realistic people here, you're going to have to work through a lot of the, these growing pains that he's already gone through if you want to help get him more comfortable in that position. Yeah, and he's probably not going to start uh, Thursday in the opener. It will be as Drupal Cabrera against Eric Cole. What we have seen for whatever the interest squad is worth, and it actually carries more value, just like spring training in the case of Carter, because we've seen so little of him, right? Like, as Drupal Cabrera, we would say, who cares? If he hits 800 in intra-squad in exhibition or if he hits 200, who cares, right? We have this huge sample size of who this guy is. Um, with Carter, we're still trying to figure all that stuff out. He's hit very well uh, in intra-squad. He's made a couple nice plays defensively, including an over-the-shoulder over catch, um, a play to his left where he, he knocked down a hard ground ball, got up and threw to first to get the out. And then we've seen a couple defensive, you know, kind of learning on the fly things that he had to do, like a ground ball to third. A coach had to tell him, step on third, step on third, and then throw to first to get the double play because he was loaded up just to throw to first initially. But then he executed the play. And that's kind of like how his life is going to be, right? Like he's going to be on the field and in these moments. Um, he's going to have to figure these things out, these kind of things at third base that are robotic for as Drupal Cabrera and anyone else who's been there way more often. And so, as you said, Nick, just the compartmentalization of what is happening in the field and what is happening at the plate, those need to be separate boxes and things that happen and then are tossed aside, things that, are, that happen then are tossed aside. And any Major League Baseball player who's going to survive for a number of years is able to do that. By the way, when it comes to Carter Keeboom, I've been talking him up so much that I guess some people on social media have thought that that means Todd is against Carter Keeboom. <laughs> that is not the case. Although I will say this when it comes to the Carter Keeboom hive, uh, you're either with us or you're in the way. So uh, deal with that. But in, in, in some ways, I just want to be in the way just to constantly like push your buttons with it, just because it's way <laughs> funnier if we go against your, your, your man crush. So I, I think uh, they, I'm not really against him, but I'm willing to do it just for a little confrontation between us. Yeah, you're either with us or against us. Um, but I think the talk of Asdrubal Cabrera potentially starting on opening day is an indication that these games aren't going to be treated like they would in a 162-game season. I don't know if you would prioritize matchups on opening day to this extent. I think you'd be more so prioritizing the idea of stacking plate appearances for Keyboom, who's a young player who needs more time. That's one theory. Another is that, you know, th this is going to be a very strange opening day with a lot of pressure and a lot of attention. It's a weird circumstance. You know, maybe the fact that his Drupal Cabrera has been around the block, uh, he could basically play a major league game with his eyes closed. Uh, then maybe the Nationals see it as a, a situation where, all right, get that game out of the way. Let Keeboom watch it from the dugout. 
and then maybe he'll be better off. But I, I will also say this, let the record show, I'm not making excuses for Carter Keboom because when you are as talented and can't miss of a prospect as he is, you don't need excuses made. <laughs> yeah. Listen. And one other quick note about the opening day situation, uh, right-handed batters OPS against Garrett Cole last year, 566. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I – it, it, it's a problem, and, and that's why you'll see Azubo Cabrera hitting left-handed on Thursday night against him. And then I'm sure you'll see Carter Keboom against left-handed James Paxson in game two after they take a, take a day off. So um, we might just see a little more – I don't want to quite say platooning there, but it might be more of a 60-40, 70-30 thing than we were kind of thinking of when Davey Martinez used the word every day earlier in July – you know, we might see a little bit more of that Google out there than that than that word would have indicated initially. I'm Mike Tirico, and this week on Sports Uncovered, the side of Bill Belichick you didn't know existed. He's actually very, very funny, and that would shock the people in New England. I remember one time that he was critiquing Asante Samuel's play about how we need to play more physical. The runner was running out on the video, and he showed on the big screen, that's it, Asante, hit him with a pillow. Okay, let's throw marshmallows at him the next time. Don't miss an episode. Tap the subscribe button right now to get automatic downloads of Sports Uncovered for free. It's weird, too, to even look at the Nats and talk about third base having issues with Rendon having been there for so long, and you had Ryan Zimmerman there before that. That was always a position that was really locked down and, and consistent for the Nationals. And the one we know that's always been an issue that continues to be a question mark is, is the bullpen. And, you know, listen, you go out and make some additions this offseason, but, like, every year that's like that becomes the standard question with the Nationals is where is the bullpen going to be? How are they going? Are they going to be a liability? Is it going to be improved this year? And listen, they won that World Series because they decided to go with a couple of guys out of the bullpen and then bring starters out to fill that role. And you're not going to do that even in a six. Well, hell, maybe, maybe in a 60 game season they're going to say, you know what? Let's just bring Strasburg out of the bullpen this time because it's a short season anyway. Who knows? We may see some crazy things like that. But like that's that's going to be the standard question with them. It's Carter Keboom and third base is new, but the bullpen is always the standard question we have going into really every season. It feels like with them for the most part. Yeah, and they have somebody who's much less of a question mark than last year's attempt at this when they brought in Kyle Bearclaw and hoped that Trevor Rosenthal was going to turn back into what he was. And the infinity uh, Will, ERA. Yeah. <laughs> like, Will, Will Harris is like the – what kind of car do I want to compare him to? Just he, the most reliable kind of contemporary. <laughs> Yeah, but like a fast Camry, right? Is there like so a he could be a turbocharged Camry. Camry? How about that? Turbocharged Camry. Add a turbo yeah. to it, and he's a Camry. That's not bad. Dependable. Yes, he pitches a lot. He pitches well. Uh, he pitches in high leverage. Uh, he doesn't. He just does his work. He doesn't care if he's a closer. He's been a closer. He'll be the setup guy. He'll come in in the seventh if necessary. So especially when it comes to relievers, right? I mean, the the number one word associated with them is volatility. And Will Harris has not had that. So they paid a guy who was as close to a sure thing for a, to be a good reliever um, as possible. I do think Daniel Hudson is going to take a definite step back. Uh, what he did in Washington when he arrived last year was major outlier. And the question is, how many bullets does Sean Doolittle have left? You know, last year was not great for him. 
uh, like anyone in the bullpen, but there are other mitigating factors, right? He was pitching all the time. So we were joking the other day in the press box about by the end of August, each of those guys will probably have 25 appearances uh, a piece because, you know, you would expect, as you said, Nick, in the short season, David Martinez is going to really try to nail these things down. And uh, when asked about pitching a lot or the possibility of pitching a lot this year, Will Harris said, if you don't want to pitch 18 times a month, then just give up some runs. And that, <laughs> that, will, that will take care of that. You know, uh, that's, that's a great line. Um, when it comes to the pitching staff, I think things are going to hinge mostly, honestly, on um, the fourth starter spot in Anibal Sanchez. And I say that in part because what we saw last year when he came back from the injured list and, it, and became a different pitcher and it coincided with the Nationals' turnaround as a team. And I talked about the percentage at the time, how uh, all of a sudden you had Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, and Anibal Sanchez. And what that meant is 80% of your games were affected by a top-shelf starter. Well, I think that percentage might be even greater this year because with off days and not as much of a workload over the course of a season, David Martinez may be able to get creative in, in spots and work around his, his fifth starter spot. So I think that percentage could go up to, you know, closer to 85% where the, the core four affect these games. So I'm looking at him, uh, you know, in general, I think it's going to be interesting to see like a month into the season when, it, when you talk about the percentage of innings affected do things way more on the bullpen or uh, is the starting rotation, the top four starters, do they carry a greater percentage? I think that's going to be interesting because right now everything is so hard to predict in terms of the, the value, how it's going to fluctuate when we know it will fluctuate. All right. Speaking of predictions, this is going to be our last chance to make season predictions before we actually watch a real game. So let's get into season predictions and Chase, if you have any sound effects on the white noise, machine for this that would this would be the time to do it let's you know let's get the crowd again give us our crowd chase <laughs> i, I, I that, only that, have cheering i don't have booze i was gonna say is that is that ocean waves it kind of sounds like ocean waves <laughs> i don't we know need, we need some fake booze for my jokes now it, we, no don't worry they will insert those at the end they've got that ready to go for every <laughs> podcast don't you worry let's start with Perfect. how many wins how many wins the Nationals will have this year? And it's weird to make this prediction with it only being a 60-game schedule. I'll save my predictions to the end. Let's start with you, uh, Todd. Uh, I'll say 38. 38 wins. Wow. I think that wins which, the NL East. Yeah, which should get that them would. into the playoffs. Um, I think they're in a pretty spot to handle all this, uh, both with what they have to start with, uh, what they have to kind of back that up. Obviously, anyone who suffers a major injury in this short season is in big trouble. Um, but even if they do, they have some pieces to mitigate things. Basically, they don't have a replacement for Juan. <laughs> Anybody else, they can kind of probably figure it out, at, at least in the short term. So I, I think they're pretty well situated to handle this. And I think actually being an older team is going to help them just kind of be level-headed through all. I'll go with 35 wins and a wild card spot. So I have them going to the playoffs. Chase, you're exactly where I am. I have it at 35. I looked at a couple of bo sports books. They've got their over-under set at 33. I think the highest was the Dodgers at 38. The Yankees just behind at 37 and a half. So I'll take the over <laughs> on the 33 for the Nats and put them in at 35. Uh, batting average leader, Todd, who you got? For the team? Is that what we're doing? Yes, that, that's, part that is exactly what Chase wanted to do. So... <laughs> <laughs> Batting average leader for the team, I will uh, take the obvious choice uh, and say Trey Turner. 
Okay. <laughs> to uh, do something I different. But I, I think I we just sit there and think for a minute. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, I'm just going to pick him because I think at some point there's going to be a year when all of his talents kind of meld. And, you know, why not here in the 60-game season? I also have Trey Turner. I'll, I'll throw 315 out there. Um, I feel like the 60-game season is going to produce some outliers for respective careers. And I agree that Turner's like on the cusp of stardom. So I think he makes that leap. And the small sample size uh, leads to the best average he's had in his career. Trey Turner was going to be my guy. But since you guys have both picked him, I'm going to go with Howie Kendrick because he did hit 344 for them last year. And I think that, that DH spot for him, especially more opportunities there, as long as he doesn't regress. And this is me obviously hoping that he doesn't regress. But I'll pick Howie Kendrick just, to, just because it's somebody different for a change. Well, real, real quick, I should say it wouldn't be the highest average of Turner's career. Technically, as a rookie, he hit over 340, I believe. But, right. you know, for a full season, technically. Yeah. Yeah. Do we even count this? That's the part. It's like, is this even a full season though? It's only 60 games. <laughs> You're like in a quote unquote full season. I think the home run leader prediction is going to be easy for all of us, given help for everybody. I'll let you go first, Todd. Yeah. Well, we know who Chase is going to pick Nick. So um, that's actually true. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Juan Soto would be my selection there. Uh, and I'm not going to go into further analysis as to why, because there's no need. I'll go with Juan Soto. I have him hitting 14, which would be a lot in a 60-game season. I think that's over 40 in a 162-game season. But he had 34 last year, which is nine more than any other player on the net. So Juan Soto. Yeah, so Soto's the easy one. I actually have him hitting 75 home runs in a 60-game schedule, guys. So, <laughs> you know, it'll be – but Kibum will hit 60, Chase, so don't worry. Home run a game. Uh, win leader, who you got, Todd? Uh, Strasburg. And I think there's going to be a lot of carryover from the postseason – uh, last year and what he was doing even during the regular season last year into this year he really seems to have grown into the kind of pitcher that everyone anticipated not that he was pitching poorly before 2019 certainly but basically ever since handling the Cubs on the road in the postseason um, you know we've really kind of seen seen him become a different kind of pitcher and I think that's going to continue this year. I've also got Strasburg. Uh, you know, he led the league in wins last year with 18, but I think five wins is going to lead the staff in a 60-game season. Clearly, we need somebody to shake this one up, too. I'll give Patrick Corbin the edge in this one. Patrick okay. Corbin will lead the Nationals in wins this year. Uh, ERA leader, Todd, who you got? Uh, I will pick Strasburg there, too, for all the other reasons that I, that I just outlined. Um, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Scherzer again. You know, I don't I – don't, really see any fall off there and the only time he had problems last year really was with the the neck back situation so um if he's healthy i don't see why it can be him too but we'll go with strasburg and a lot of these i think of these in terms of like the nationals are actually going to be trying all season right and i feel like by the end of the year we're going to see a huge gap between these kind of upper crust teams and then a bunch of teams that kind of folded the tent midway yeah. through or even sooner because they know it's just not going to work and they're getting beat up. And so then I think some stats are really going to start rolling in a heavy direction. I'll go with Strasburg as well. I think he's going to have an ERA in the low twos. I think the sprint to the finish line is going to magnify every game. And as we saw in the playoffs, uh, Strasburg knows how to handle that. Um, I think he's going to be their best, best pitcher this season and be on the short list for Cy Young. Give me the guy that did it last year. Max Scherzer will lead them in ERA again. Uh, bold prediction for the Nats or this season? Either one, Todd. What do you got? 
bold prediction for the Nats. It can be the- MLB as well. It can be anything. Yeah. Just say you know, something outrageous, damn it. We need to write about it. <laughs> you know, that's my typical thing. Yes. Uh, Potster. Yeah, I, I will say this. My general perspective about the likelihood of the season, the regular season at a minimum, being completed has gone up a lot. And that's because of what I've seen going on in, in Nationals Park um, and kind of what's been going on with us, the reporters in Nationals Park and how everyone seems to have kind of settled into what's happening and everyone has accepted what's happening. There's still some things you see on the field where the guys are kind of congregated together and you're a little concerned about that. And we saw the situation in Kansas city where a guy was in an interest law game the next day test positive, but there was no like extrapolation from there. And that kind of leaves you scratching your head as to what should have happened there. So, so far, so good major league wide testing. Uh, numbers are very good, although, you know, you always look at those with a dose of skepticism considering they're coming from the league. And I think if the, the season can get like through the first two weeks and everybody can kind of find their rhythm and get situated and, again, be fully accepting of this is how it's going to be just for two months, um, that the season has a better chance of being completed than I originally thought, a significantly better chance than I originally thought because I thought those odds were very, very low. My bold prediction, uh, you guys just had the wrong category. It involves Carter Kubum and home runs. I think he'll hit 10 this season. And what would that be uh, over a 162-game season, Todd? Uh, carry the three plus the two. And, Don't uh, math, Chase. Yeah. Don't be that guy. Well, it would be the equivalent 27. of 27 homers. So that's a, a bold prediction, I would say, 10 <laughs> All right. for Carter Kubum. You know, it's funny. I wrote down here similar to what Todd ended up saying, but I was expecting him to go the other way. They will crown a World Series champion in baseball because there are so many people that doubt this happening. I think they will crown a World Series champion. There will be, there will be bumps in the road going through this process, but I'm with you there, Todd. Like, if you can get through the first couple of weeks and people figure out a rhythm and get used to this system you have to deal with this year, this will run a lot more smoothly and, of course, you'll have some teams, though, that are like, we have no shot at winning any more games, and people just bow out after that. But the good teams, the good teams will continue to play hard throughout the year, and we'll have a World Series champ. All right, NL and AL team, who's going to be in the World Series? Uh, AL team for me is the Yankees. Yeah, difficult choice there. And the NL team for me is the Braves. Who wins? Hmm. Uh, I'll say the Yankees win. I've got Dodgers over Yankees. This is not going to be Which that original. be quite the World Series. I, I've got Yankees over Braves. So Todd and I have been on the same wavelength for a lot of things today. So Yankees wow. over Braves for me. I don't – I'll tell you what, though. It, it would be interesting to see. It, I, I, in, even though I'm, I feel that way, at the same, same time we talk about how weird this season's going to be, and it'd be weird to see just like a random team like the Rays or like the Reds get in the World Series and kind of – sneak their way in but I, I think the safe bet for those is is a couple of those teams right Not there. the Orioles well, maybe the Orioles yeah I think there's a good chance um, you know here's a bold prediction Carter Keeboom gets traded to the Orioles and then helps them win a World Series and chases a <laughs> there you go. does that does that uh, work that's a good one that's a good one uh, so how far do you guys have the Nats going I the, think they can win around in the playoffs yeah me too I just don't see it the back-to-back I don't I don't I just don't see it this year it's also uh, I don't have them to predict anything yeah, I have them falling in the NLCS, which would be pretty far for a World Series champ. You know, no team has even gotten back since the Phillies in 09. No team has repeated since 2000. 
So I've got them getting in via the wild card and getting to the NLCS and losing, which would be a, a good season. Chase, we've changed the end of this podcast now to walk-off instead. Don't worry, it's the same thing. You can have your parting shot, but we're now calling it walk-off, which makes more sense because it is a baseball theme. So Gary Carter came up with that, and we'll give him credit for it. Do you have a walk-off, Chase? The I do. Have, walk-off. As promised from last episode, and this one is dedicated to Todd, um, I have an update on how many times the Nationals' Twitter account has reminded people that they won the World Series. Uh, <laughs> I told you guys I was going to crunch numbers. I did the full Sabre metrics as promised. And to be fair, there's a few more days till opening day to add, so they can add to the total. I would imagine after opening day, it's going to change. So there might be a margin for error here, but I counted it up. And since October 31st, 2019, the Nationals Twitter account has referred to them as World Series champions 512 times. That's more than 50 times a month. And there have been 275 days, which means they tweet basically twice a day on average. Um, and this mind you, involves periods on social media where they went dark because of like world events, like sports was on the back burner. So they stopped tweeting. But as I told you, they've gotten really creative, you know, referring to their World Series champion PA announcer and World Series champion uh, team chef. So um, my takeaway from this is 512 is not only an impressive commitment to the bit, uh, but guys, I think we're dealing with a record here that is never going to be touched. I mean, think about what it would require a team in the future to beat their record because the Nationals had so much extra time because of the pandemic, like it would be impossible. I, I looked at the average MLB offseason; It's about 165 days. A team would have to tweet like more than three times a day to beat their record in a normal off season. Um, so I know people say Joe DiMaggio's hit streak is the most unbeatable record in baseball, but I, I think there might be an argument. Todd, are you I'm, impressed? He, Todd does not even want to talk about it. I love that he just doesn't even <laughs> care. He just completely hates it. Uh, I think 512 chases also the number of home runs that Carter Keeboom's going to have in his career at least, right? So it'll at least be over 500. That no, would get you a Cooperstown. career. <laughs> <laughs> 512 in eight years, that would be something. Uh, that would be like the rate of the Nationals tweeting that they're World Series champions. My only, my only walk-off that I have is that I, I hope that we can maybe do a video version of this podcast because Ch or, uh, Todd always comes with sle no sleeves, but today he's sleeveless and sitting outside, and it's just, it just adds extra, a little extra culture, I think, to this podcast. So I'm going to put that request in now in all video ones so we can show that side of you, Todd. Sounds great. You guys are really killing with these topics. <laughs> Thanks, pal. <laughs> and with that, that would be Todd's walk-off. So there you go. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you do it wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Give us a follow on all the various socials as well. We are closing in. It's almost opening day slash night, and we'll have another podcast right after Nats and Yankees open things up. We'll talk to you then. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. Mm. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.